You got the call. Welcome to the big leagues, kid. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the call-up presented by Triple Play Fantasy. We are in week seven, and we have another great group of players we're going to talk about tonight. Of course, my co-hosts are here. we got a special guest here. We've got a fun show planned for all of you guys. First, got to go to my man, Mike. How are you doing tonight, my friend? Oh, it's going good, Mindy. Uh, happy to be here as always. You know, we're about a third of the way through the regular season. A lot of the you know chaos of draft seasons started to come into focus and Lots of rookies making splash early, both surprises, good and bad. You know, you know, Bryce Miller, for example. On the flip side, you got someone like Jordan Walker, who's been mishandled, in my opinion, by a historically solid organization. So, anyway, I'm excited to have our guest here today. He's he's someone I've wanted to get on the show for a long time. Happy we're finally able to make it happen. So, how are you doing, Vinny? Doing good. You know, been watching a lot of college baseball. We have a bunch of the championship series going on right now. You know, Virginia is looking like an absolute powerhouse. So is Wake Forest. But like, yeah, just keeping up with, you know, college draft prospects and, you know, minor league prospects. Doing it all like he always does. Just like our guest this week. You can find him at Inside Fastball on Twitter. He is the host of On the Farm on the Pitcherless Podcast Network. Does a lot of stuff with Pitcherless. And I just found out has one of the smoothest voices in the biz. It is Lamar Gibson. What's going on, man? Hey, uh, I'm not going to put on my quiet storm voice. I'm just going to keep it normal. No, uh, it's been, it's really a pleasure to, to be on this show, guys. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to have you. Please, um, I know I didn't give you nearly the credit that you deserve because I know you've been doing a lot of great work in the fantasy baseball space. Tell us a little bit, just again, like what you're doing in the space, kind of just what it, what's been going on with you. And so our listeners can uh, make sure they check out your work. Oh, no. Uh, the introduction is is far too kind, if if you ask me. No, uh, uh, definitely working with Pitcher List, uh, appreciative of them giving me the opportunity. Um, hosting on the farm, like you said, that's uh, kind of the, the main uh, labor of love for me. Uh, my co-host, Jake Mache, uh this year we've been cranking out some really good episodes on a weekly basis. So you can find us uh, there on all your you know normal podcast platforms. Um, I do have uh, the project prospect watch list which is a weekly column that i do for picture list as well kind of similar to uh format that we're going to you know break down what you guys do here as far as just highlighting some um you know players under the radar or some hidden gems to kind of find um not not just looking at the top 100 guys all the time um so you can find some hidden values and that's been real fun i started that last year with picture list and that was where i first saw evan carter before a lot of people saw him Kyle Manzardo before a lot of people like literally I did Kyle Manzardo I was like who is this kid and I was like I gotta go pick him up and it was still like a month or two later before most of the industry I saw kind of move that way so I try not to be a big like plant my flag I'm first type of guy that's not really my like my my vibe but those two I'm kind of proud of <laughs> it should be the two awesome looking prospects for the Rangers and for the Rays. So uh, very, you should be very proud of those calls. 
Uh, and that's why we're glad to have you on tonight because you're going to hope kind of help us. Maybe you can be a uh, three for three here and give us a guy tonight. That's going to be one of those gems. Uh, so as you guys know, each and every week, we break down different categories of players that we're keeping an eye on for the call up, starting, of course, with just our players of the week, players that we feel like deserve the praise to be talked about right now. And starting off the list with Yankee Fernandez of the Colorado Rockies here, Lamar. He, uh, in 2023, of course, just 20 years of age across two levels, a 326 batting average, got 11 home runs, a 280 ISO, and a under 20% K rate. Looking like he's doing big things down in the lower minors. Talk to us a little about this guy. Yeah, so I'm a big fan of Fernandez. He was one of the first folks that I highlighted um, on the watch list, and actually I just posted him up on this past uh, um, column that I did for watch list because he – the numbers kind of speak for himself. He just continues to rake. Um, if we turn back the clock and look at what he did at low A last season, 21 home runs, 33 doubles. That's as a 19-year-old, right? Um, in 112 games, put up a 112 WRC plus. And then you guys have the stats up. Um, a couple things to add. He's got 15% swing, swing strike rate. So not super elite, but not incredibly high like you may expect from a very young hitter so i like that uh that he has he's showing some plate discipline there um 80.9 percent contact rate so it's up from 76 percent which he had last year so he's continuing to make good contact line drive percentages up as well by um close to 10 percent. so it's 23.9 so you can round that up ground ball rate is down so i mean he's doing all the things and he's still yet um, in that 150 to 170 prospect range, if you look at most rankings, I was I was trying to do some some last minute sort of research today, and he's still I mean he's not in the top 100 I've seen for pretty much anybody as of yet. I definitely think that he's going to be a big mover when you start seeing like mid season and definitely end of year prospect rankings come out. So now is probably the time to try to make some moves if he is available for some reason, you know, for free, pick him up. If he you know he can swing a trade. I fumbled the bag on this. I will completely tell, tell the truth. I had him. Um, I am an Orioles fan. I thought for sure that Kyle Stowers had like a everyday legit role, easy as a DH. I made a one-for-one one trade in the offseason. Like, okay, Fernandez is good, but like Stowers is still young. He's going to be lefty hitter in that, you know, in that lineup. 20 home run power easily. And that obviously is not coming to fruition. So I'm looking real dumb right now as Fernandez continues to just fly up the charts and I gave him away. So don't be me in that case. But um, the value is, is there. I know, you know, we still have in the community a lot of, um, you know, concern around Rockies prospects, mm -hmm. Rockies hitters. Um, we we started to kind of turn the page with that last year. Um you know, as Tovar can't, uh, you know, came up. Now we have uh, Adio Amador, who's really making moves as well. But I know a lot of people are still like, ah, I don't know. Rockies aren't, you know, historically that great with handling their prospects, mm -hmm. whether it be hitters or pitchers. Um, you know, how much is, things might be inflated with some of the lower minor run environments. Um, so, you know, some valid concerns, but I would say the value is there. You probably, this is probably the last time that you can get on to Fernandez for pretty much, you know, free or very cheaply. And I think after, you know, all-star break and on, you're going to have to like pay up, you know, significantly to, to get in on Fernandez. Just reading a little bit about him. Uh, so I've seen some comps to Jordan Alvarez. Do you feel that that could be accurate? Obviously Jordan Alvarez is an absolute superstar, right, but do you right. see the similar skill set? So I think I, I would, I, okay. 
so one thing that I try to declare is I'm terrible with comes to player comps. Like I try mm-hmm. to shy away from that. A because I'm bad at it, just quite honestly, <laughs> and B because I don't know if it's always um, helpful mm-hmm. to to make those play calls. Sometimes it really is. Sometimes it can you can fall down that kind of lazy hole of like this guy's left handed and this guy's left handed. Like this guy throws a fastball and this guy throws. We've seen this uh, this past year with Spencer Strider, right? So it's like since Spencer Strider came up last year, and now it's like anybody with a big fastball, it's like oh he's the new Strider. Well, yeah. like hold on, we gotta break that down a little bit. Um, but what I will say as far as that comparison is I was looking at some video of Fernandez today. I think the swing, there's some similarities there in the swing. I think one, a couple of the questions I actually have about Fernandez is pitch recognition, right? Can he, as he uh, gets into the upper minors, and I have to assume that he's going to be in double A much sooner than later. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if we come out of Memorial Day weekend and start June and he gets a promotion or sometime, you know, within that first couple of weeks, because I don't really know what else they, they need to see from him in high A. Uh, but, you know, as he gets into those upper levels, can he start to pick up on spin and what does mm-hmm. he do with that? And then again, to stick with the Jordan thing, plate coverage, because that's an elite skill that Jordan has right now. What I'm seeing from Fernandez, just looking at, some of the video and haven't seen him before uh, watch some games before last year um he doesn't get beat down in it right at this level and that's kind of you you kind of would anticipate that with a lefty hitter but if you're trying to sneak anything in down in it he's all over it whether he's just fouling it off or he's sending it a long way but can he cover the rest of the plate can he go oppo with power so if you look he still has not alarming but higher than maybe average um, pull percentage right now. Mm-hmm. So again, young hitter, that's not completely out of the realm, but can he go opposite way and can he do that with power? And how does he cover the rest of the zone, right? Elite uh, velocity up or above average even velocity up. Can he cover that? Um, can Again, can he cover the outside of plate? Because down and in, I, uh, that that's handled. That's the hot zone. You don't want to go there against them. Um, so, thinking about Alvarez, that's a differentiator, right? Like that's why Alvarez is a perpetual MVP because he can do all those things um, with damage. Uh, If Fernandez can show that, then yeah, (laughs) you know, why not? But that's, that's the question, right? That's what we have to see, especially at the upper levels. And we're looking forward to seeing him progress to hopefully get to that type of hitter. That is Yankel Fernandez. Now Lamar said he was an Orioles fan. So let's talk some Orioles. Next player up on the list is, Kobe Mayo of the Baltimore Orioles in 25 plate appearances right now, uh, overall in double A over the last week, a 360 batting average with a one, a one twenty one thousand two hundred and thirty one OBP and a 1660 slug two home runs, eight RBIs. And on the season, five bombs, 142 WRC plus and a nearly 14% walk rate here, Vinny. Uh, you don't hear, I feel like about Mayo as much as obviously the Colton Cowsers of the world or, uh, a couple of other guys we've talked about in the past for the Baltimore Orioles, uh, like, you know, Heston Kirstad and guys like that. So what about him? Obviously, he had a great week. Uh, tell us a little bit about Kobe Mayo and um, what we can expect from him going forward. Yeah, Kobe Mayo, ever since, like, he was in high school, has always been a sleeping giant of a prospect. He's always been in the shadow of, you know, bats like Blaze Jordan and, you know, Dylan Cruz, that dra- that 2020 draft class, I saw him play at the 20, uh, 2019 Under Armour All-American game at Wrigley Field. 
And watching him take batting practice in the same group as Blaze Jordan, Dylan Cruz, Robert Hassel, and Zach Veen, like I came away more enamored with him than those four names. And we're talking about, you know, two, uh, two soon to be three top 100 prospects. But no, like Kobe Mayo, the big question coming out of high school was, was is, he had the power. Is he going to actually hit enough? Is he going to be, you know, patient at the plate enough to succeed, you know, past the single A level? Last year, you know, he worked all the way up to double A. This year so far, repeating double A, we are, you know, almost 30 more plate appearances than he had last year. His Walk percentage is up, and his strike percentage is down. His ISO is up. His Babbitt is up. His OBP is up, and his slug is up. We're look. It's all starting to click for Kobe for Kobe Mayo right now. Like I said, we know that this kid possesses easily double plus raw power. Like it is when he gets a hold of a baseball, it is just mind boggling how hard he can hit the thing. But you know. He does get beat a lot on off-speed pitches. That is the biggest concern, is that as he progresses, I think pitchers will start to figure him out. He's, like, right at the cusp of transitioning from, you know, uh, a pro hitter from a slugger. I honestly think he needs, you know, at least another month in double-A. I would like to see him hit triple-A this year just to see how, you know, he progresses from jumping another level and being on the cusp of the majors. But if we're talking about, you know, upside in a bat, that's, you know, borderline. I don't think I've seen him in any top 100 lists, kind of like uh, uh, Fernandez. I think this is this might be the last, you know, last shot to actually acquire or stash Kobe Mayo. Because this kid is going to be a fantasy baseball monster if he puts it all together and gets called up. Oh, man. I, I like how we're starting the show off. Two guys that you both say are kind of borderline top 100 guys that this is the last chance to to get a jump on these guys before the rest of the world catches up with them. That's the meaning of this show. And if you know, even if one of these two guys lives up to the kind of hype that you guys believe that they can do, um, we have obviously some really, really good talent here. And it can it could be big for people in their dynasty leagues if they can acquire these guys cheap or if they're out there in their leagues and they can get them right now before everybody's caught up. So I love both of these calls here. And uh, I'll be interested because um, my brother still lives in Baltimore. So I'm sure I'll be hearing a lot more about Kobe Mayo uh, really soon with that type of projection there, Vinny. So we'll keep an eye on him. Let's go to the last hitter of this list and that is Colt Keith of the Detroit Tigers. He is also right now in double a, he's got a 318 batting average, 391 OBP and 573 slug nine home runs, 34 RBIs. He is right now got a pretty balanced stat line overall, uh, not stealing any bases. K rates, not ridiculously high walk rate is almost double digits. Uh, 159 WRC plus here, Mike. Um, he's also, I, I have heard of Colt Keith and I'm kind of a, more of a French prospect head compared to you guys. Um, but I, I have heard good things about him. So why don't you tell our audience a little bit what you liked from him? Well, yeah, uh, I actually talked about Colt Keith on the AFL standout episode we did a few months ago. And mm-hmm. I believe I said at the time that I believe he's the number one prospect in the Tigers organization. I'm not sure if everyone saw that today or saw it at the time, but I just saw today the new Roto-Wire list came out, and he's number 25 overall. So that came to fruition. 
Now he was a two, he was a two two way player when he was drafted, and you know Vinny mentioned him about a month ago as well. So I should throw that out there. We we had him on the show in like week two of this. So anytime both of us bring up the same player, like we did with Jonathan Clausé, like I'd str- strongly recommend targeting them because we try to you know talk about different types of players. But Keith has been productive throughout his career. Looking at his scouting grades, he it says he has an average hit tool, and I disagree with that. I think he has a plus hit tool and it says he has plus raw power. I agree with that in 30 grade speed. So basically you're looking at a, a guy who could be a plus hit tool with plus power in at third base. Uh, he only got derailed last year by an injury, but he's, he's been a standout throughout his career looking at his stats and, you know, he has minimal defensive value, but that won't stop his bat from getting into the Tigers lineup he's capable of playing below average defense at third base. And that's where his arm plays up because like I said, he was a two way player. He used to pitch throw into the nineties. He's too big. I think to play second base, he has played, he has played there some a little bit in the minor leagues, but I just don't think that's going to work. He's listed at like six to 215 pounds, but I've seen some pictures of him and he probably looks like he's 245 pounds. I'd say. So he's a legit big time slugger at third base with a hit tool. And uh, I could see him ending up in the two or three hole long-term with the Tigers if he reaches his potential. I think he'll debut in 2024, most likely. And yeah, Colt Keith, uh, he doesn't have the speed that we covet in fantasy, but he seems to have every other aspect of his game, including being young for all of his levels throughout. Yeah, uh, he's a very interesting player. Do you think, Mike, and I know you hate when I ask you these questions, but I have to test you here. Do you think there's any chance that by the end of the season, Colt Keith could be a September call-up for the Tigers, especially if they're out of contention and they want to kind of give him some run to see for next year? Yeah, that's always possible. I mean, they've brought up uh, not just the Tigers, but organizations have brought up players who weren't as ready as him. I think it's more about the organizational situation, really. Colt Keith, to me, is their top prospect. I don't think they want to ruin him. So whenever Mm -hmm. they think he's ready to come up, I do think it'd be beneficial for him to see a September call-up and I, and I think that's within the range of outcomes here. All right. So maybe a guy at the end of the season, if you have a little bit of fab left in redraft leagues, you might be able to, to throw a little bit on and uh, maybe he can help you down the road. Third base definitely is a position we need. And obviously it sounds like a great dynasty asset in Colt Keith. Let's talk about some pitching. And Lamar, we're starting this off with Chase Hampton of the New York Yankees, who, to be honest with you on this show, I don't think we talk very many Yankees prospects uh, as much, especially as much as some other teams here. Uh, but in high A ball, 21 years of age, 29 innings so far this season, 49 strikeouts, a 310 ERA, 121 whip, the 39.2% K rate definitely stands out to me here. Um, so what should we know about Chase Hampton and um, what is his arsenal look like? What What is the type of pitcher we're getting with him? I think you are on mute, my friend. Of course, I'm, I muted myself and forgot. <laughs> I promise you I've done this before. Um, <laughs> no good. All good, man. No, but I wanted to say a couple things. First of all, about Cole Keith, I love uh, that that whole sort of profile. But I will say I'm going to riot if he gets called up and, and Justin Henry Malloy doesn't get called <laughs> up. That's just my little plug there. I know they say he, he has terrible defense. I don't care. I want to see him up in the major leagues. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyways, talking about Jay, Chase Hampton, I, like I said, I'm an Orioles fan, so it brings me no real joy to talk about yankees at all or especially not like future yankees that could could hurt us but um hampton is just somebody i I couldn't 
uh, leave off of of this sort of rundown, this sort of list. Um, as far as pitch mix, fastball, curveball change is is pretty much the primary work. Um, this he's got reports about a cutter, and I I've found myself watching a lot of um, Chase Hampton on TV, um, watching a lot of the the um, Renegades in Hudson Valley. And uh, it's a little bit difficult to tell from camera angles exactly when it comes to some of that pitch movement. So I don't know about the cutter piece, but definitely fastball plays up. Um, curveball is really good. Changeup is good. I wouldn't I wouldn't call any of the pitches plus pitches, but I think what he's shown so far, if you look at production wise, is he is somebody who has a really a higher than maybe expected sort of baseball IQ when it comes to pitching, like. He understands how to execute, um, how to set guys up. And he definitely has a way about him when I've seen uh, about three of his starts so far. And he definitely has a way where he kind of senses if a guy can't just handle him at all. And I I just like that in, in any sort of athlete, really, mm-hmm. when they're like, you know, you, you watch basketball and they do the like, he's too small. So the guess yeah. he's kind of like that on the mound. Like this guy definitely can't handle me. Let me take him out. Um. And looking at his numbers, especially like looking at his whip and ERA, if you're interested in those sorts of things, nothing that really like is super outstanding. It's not like it's super low or or anything insane. I know he did have one really crazy start against Greenville. If you guys saw the clip of the catcher that couldn't find um, the ball and it was like two feet in front of him on the foul line, if you guys saw that clip, that was a Chase Hampton start. That was um, a a big inning against Greenville that kind of just got away from him. Very interesting to watch live. Uh, but overall, he's had really good starts. I think it's interesting his FIP and XFIP are pretty much the same, 2.9798, give or take percentage point. Uh, the K rate, like you uh, mentioned, 39.2 versus walk rate. I mean, he just he throws strikes. Like I said, he understands um, how to use his pitches, how to go after guys that don't have the capability. I think it's very interesting. He's, <laughs> again, as an Orioles fan, didn't like it, but found it kind of valuable uh he's had two starts against aberdeen which is a high a uh affiliate for baltimore 9.1 innings total he's given up zero runs 17 strikeouts four walks again in those two starts if you look at the lineup of high a baltimore it's all the guys pretty much that like we're anticipating um it's uh he did go against holiday in the second start i want to say um holiday was still at low a in the first start um but like a lot of those up and coming Orioles prospects that you're like salivating about that haven't made it to the upper minors are on uh, that Aberdeen team to give up no runs against them in 17 strikeouts. That's significant. Um, and the other thing I will say about him is I saw on fan graphs, he got ranked in their Yankees right up at number 33 to start the season. Uh, they put him at 35 plus as far as future value. They did, though, hint towards potential breakout. They kind of talked about how Texas Tech, which is where he came out of um, college, may maybe not are the best as far as developing uh, players and getting them to their max potential. So they did kind of hint towards maybe the Yankees can pull a lot more out of them than what we've seen. But I'm willing to go. I know I said I'm not a flag planter typically, but I will plant a flag here. I think at the end of this year, he's the Yankees' best pitching prospect. I think he's better than Drew Thorpe. I think he's better than Will Warren, who is very good. And I know he's already in AAA, and people are waiting for Will Warren to make his major league debut. So I'm not saying anything against those two, but I think Hampton has the stuff. If everything stays in place, health, et cetera, 
I think Hampton is definitely somebody that's getting the that has to be a double A to start June, um, like pretty much immediately. And if that works there, I just see him just continuing to go up and up and up. Uh, so that's my declaration about Chase Hampton. Just really good stuff. I like everything about him. I'm sorry if I missed this, Lamar. Did you say the type of pitcher he was in the sense, is he a type of guy that has an overpowering fastball that's going to blow you away with velocity? Or is he the type of guy that's uh, like Kyle Hendricks comes to mind where maybe the velocity isn't there, but he can hit the corners well and kind of has good use of his secondaries? What type of pitcher is he? Yeah, I'll put him in between, right? He's not, yeah. the, the fastball can get into 96, 97. So it's, it's not, it's not low. Yeah. Uh, Velo, but he's definitely not in the the Millers of the world. Take your pick, whichever one you want. Yeah. You want to call. He's not in that realm. Um, it's not going to be triple digits. He's not blowing guys away, but he does have. It, you mentioned Kyle Hendricks. He does have to me showing that intelligence that the, the guys that we always think of the Hendricks, the Maddox, the the mm-hmm. the real all time greats that just understood exactly how exactly what you're saying, like how to hit the corners, how to command, how to set a guy up, and then come back back doing you know get him get him mm-hmm. moving one way okay he's looking fastball and i can go change up get him completely off speed um you know same thing the curveball is really good so and it's not um a big loopy cur- curveball so it's not something that's easy to see out of the hand he does a really good job of um kind of telling that with the fastball so it's not super um obvious when it's coming to you that it's going to be the breaking ball versus the fastball i think that's a really good um like early indication of how he knows his pitches knows how to make everything work together i'm interested to see him at the double a level competition is a bit more fierce somerset Mm -hmm. um plays in the eastern league eastern league uh is a little bit more picture friendly as far as like park factors things that nature um but they do have some really good lineups, you know, and, and some good players. Even if it, even if the lineups themselves aren't um, the greatest, they have some good prospects kind of scattered throughout that league. So it'll be interesting. Again, there are some certain teams and players that I would love to see him face and see how he does. I'm interested to watch him keep developing. Again, that is Chase Hampton. Uh, another Cincinnati Reds prospect on this list, and it's surprising it's not an infielder because that, like many of them on this show, we actually have another pitcher. Um, that's not Mr. Abbott, and it's Connor Phillips. And over his last five innings, a 360 ERA, 13Ks over those five innings, that's just outstanding. On the season overall in AA, 36 innings, 33 strikeouts. Got a 396 ERA here, Vinny. A 16K per nine, 16.1K per nine. Um, He just seems like he's a great strikeout pitcher. Uh, overall and uh, has some pretty nasty stuff here. Yeah, a little typo on the... Uh, I was trying to figure out. He, he has 65 strikeouts. That's my bad. That's but okay. No, Connor Phillips is a very interesting arm that um, Cincinnati acquired in one of their multiple trades with the Mariners. Uh, coming out of the 2020 draft, he was like the biggest uh, junior college prospect. Uh, the Mariners spent a lot of time you know, trying to develop his off-speed pitches it just never clicked so they were very you know they were very up in arms with moving him to another organization one of their few you know few pitching prospects you ever see the Mariners do that with but no Phillips and other uh Reds pitcher Andrew Abbott as of two days ago they are tied or they are one two positioning for most strikeouts in all of minor league baseball with uh Andrew Abbott being at 73 and Connor Phillips being at 65, but no, 
I think we're starting to see the Reds transition into a pitching org. They're just becoming just an all-around minor league, you know, manufacturing prospects organization now. But Phillips, if they can just tweak some of his off-speed pitches, I think we could have another monster in the organization. Like, his fastball is arguably probably best in their minor league organization. Like he doesn't have a, you know, he doesn't have a hundred green fastball, but it's still, you know, 96, 98, you know, has late, you know, late drift. Like it generates swings and misses and it makes people look like fools at the plate. But the biggest concern with him is, you know, all of his other pitches are anywhere from average to below average, like his curveball. You know, it's probably his second best pitch, and it's probably borderline a, a 50. Maybe it's at times it looks like a 45 you know, on the scale. But, yeah, if he just – I would like to see them tweak his slider a little more because it almost – it doesn't break as frequently as it should. Like, And he's very lenient to use it too. Like, He just needs to – they need to build up confidence with his off-speed pitches and, you know, just tweak it a little bit. And I think Connor Phillips easily, if he kicks up one of his off-speed pitches, there's no doubt in my mind he's a top 100 prospect. He has the ability to rack up Ks at an insane amount because his fastball is so good. Like, if we're thinking about it, his fastball is so good that he is, you know, absolutely dicing through upper levels of the minors with below-average off-speed pitches. Like, you don't see that a lot at all. Like your fastball has to be pretty good to do that. You know, it's sometimes he does get a little wild controls, you know, it's not as big as a problem. I'm not that concerned with it because he does show signs of, you know, plus control. But yeah, I think he is a, he's a sleeping giant in that organization, especially after the season Andrew Abbott's having this year, he's probably going to ride the rest of the year in his shadow. And especially with, you know, Brandon Williamson getting promoted this year. And, you know, other arms like Chase Petty. I think he just – he's a nice little gem in that organization. I think people need to start looking more into because he's not that far off from potentially coming up either. Like, he's one or two more starts away from probably going to AAA Louisville. Oh, man. These Reds team, just when you think they can't get more exciting coming up, you get Connor Phillips now, uh, another fun pitching prospect. And uh, they're going to be a really fun team to watch in the next couple of years. Uh, let's wrap up this section really quickly here with Cade Povich of the Baltimore Orioles, a lefty uh, and another Baltimore Orioles player on the rundown here, but just because we knew Lamar was coming on here. Uh, but 23 years of age in double a 35.2 innings over eight starts, 55 strikeouts, a three, seven, nine ERA 37.2% K rate here. Mike uh, lefty, you already will get my eyebrow raising. Cause if you get a really good lefty, uh, it's definitely big for baseball here. Uh, but I feel like this name's definitely a little bit more under the radar. Again, um, not an Orioles prospect that maybe the public isn't too familiar with. Yeah, I, th- I figured you might even know Cade Povich because he was a third-round pick for the Twins and got traded to the Orioles. So those are your two teams I've heard. And uh, going basically going back to his prep days, he was hardly even recruited out of high school. Like I said, got drafted by the Twins. He's always shown a, a good ability to miss bats. And as I mentioned, he got dealt at the 2022 trade deadline for Jorge Lopez. And when I looked at his scouting grades, trying to find him here, he I was I was quite impressed. I mean, this isn't a big fastball guy, but 
he has an average fastball, above average slider, above average curveball, average changeup with plus command. And some actually suggest that he has a fifth pitch. So you could be looking at five pitches with plus command from a lefty. So that sounds like a pretty good crafty lefty to me. You know, he mostly works in the lower 90s with his fastball, but he has flashed up to 96. Uh, he can throw strikes with his entire arsenal, solid walk rates and good mechanics. I think he has the ingredients to become a mid to back at end starter. And his stock would really jump up into like a top 100 prospect if his fastball velocity trended up more, if he became more consistent with that. You know, he basically jumped on my radar doing my usual fan graphs filtering, looking at age versus level. And this is the leader in AA for XFIP ahead of guys like Connor Phillips, who's actually second, Emmett Sheehan, who's a huge riser, Christian Mania, a couple guys, I mentioned him a couple weeks ago. So some pretty big risers. This is the cream of the crop as far as that specific stat. So I just like his overall profile. Like I said, it's not a big fastball guy, but he's in AA. He's good, putting up good advanced metrics and he's got multiple pitches to, to work with. And, and what I love the most is his best tools is command. Command is the name of the game. So uh, that's very good and very exciting. And uh, Kate Povich will be somebody that we will have to make sure we keep an eye on. Because, uh, again, command is definitely one of the hardest things to develop. Uh, even in the major leagues, this definitely can still be a problem. So Kate Povich is somebody to keep on your radar. Uh, let's go now to some notable promotions, players that were called up to the big leagues over the last week here. Headlined by Bobby Miller of the Los Angeles Dodgers, pitched five innings of one-run ball with five strikeouts. It's also Randy Vasquez of the New York Yankees and Sam Bachman of the Los Angeles Angels, all right-handed pitchers. Obviously, Bobby Miller is the big name here, but uh, this list, obviously, I think this is, might be the shortest list of guys um, in all the weeks we've been doing this so far. There's been a ton of prospect call-ups uh, this year. And uh, so to only see three this week has definitely not been the trend, but again, a very list, a good list of guys here um, helping out their respective major league teams. Let's go to the prospect watch players that are usually in the lower level of the minor leagues that we are keeping an eye on. And you should be too. Lamar starting off with Luis Matos of the San Francisco Giants. He is in a little bit of a higher level, but again, if he's somebody that we need to keep our eye on, that's the name of the game here. Uh, between double A AA and triple A this year, he's got three bombs, nine steals. The K rate is sub eight, which is just unbelievable. Unbelievable. It's that low. Uh, and just uh, he's a name that I think some of our listeners may have heard before. He's very talented. Yeah. So here's the thing with Luis Matos. Let's turn back the clock a couple of years. Let's go back to 2021, his first full season as a professional. He plays 109 games at low A. Here's his triple slash 313, 358, 494, 15 home runs, 35 doubles, 21 stolen bases. He becomes, at least from RotoWire, number 11 prospect overall, uh, August 21st, or I'm sorry, August of 2021, excuse me. So that he, he's on just a, another level in 2021. Everybody's waiting to see what's going to happen next with Matos. 2022 comes around has a quad injury, misses a full month from May to June. So literally about this this time last year, he was out with injury. But at the time of the injury, he was already batting 149, 260, 149, which like his slugging and his batting average match, which I, I can't say I've ever seen. Um, No extra base hits, 16.9% K rate, 
So 17, we'll just call it WRC plus of 30. So this guy, if you just look at any sort of like prospect rankings or whatever, it's literally a tale of two cities. It's it's rise and a fall. He comes back from injury June 4th, finishes out the year um, slightly better. 88 uh, WRC plus 12 home runs, 15 doubles uh, does get back to stealing bases uh, nine out of 12 um, stolen uh, as far as stolen base attempts. Still has pretty high K rate, about 16%. So going into this season, a lot of what you're reading about Matos was like, yeah, he had an injury. Like, okay, we understand. But something happened where maybe this guy was too much too soon because he is still very young. Like, we don't know what, what's going on. But pretty much a lot of the community had moved off of him. And then he comes back in A, So he's repeating a level. And he reminds you exactly who he is. 304, 398, 443, three home runs, seven doubles, uh, nine stolen bases out of 13 attempts, 9% K rate, 136 WRC plus. He puts up an 89.6% contact rate. So he's like, oh, yeah, don't forget about me. I was the number 11 guy for a reason. And as you mentioned, now he's uh, in Triple A's in Sacramento. Uh, and what I'm curious about is now we kind of get into some noise instead of just the signal as far as the stats. A lot of small samples. There's only been seven games. Uh, only has two doubles, no home runs. 3% K rate, how real is that? 6.7% swing strike rate, how real is that? 96.9% contact rate. Don't think that that's going to stay around. So some small sample size theater going on there. But my question is, is he slowing down again? And if that's the case, does he just get the label of being inconsistent, right? He flashes great one year, then he's off another year. Flashes great, then he's off. What does that mean? Or, again, looking at his youth, he's only 21. This is his age 21 season. He's already jumped from AA to AAA. Sometimes, and, and I forget who I first heard this from, but it stuck with me. Sometimes some guys have to kind of like repeat a grade, right? Like they have to repeat a level in order to make those adjustments. Some guys are great and they can do it in season. And those are typically the superstars that we see. But even the really good players, it takes them a full season of innings pitched or at bats and then to come back and say, OK, now I have a better understanding of how to attack a hitter if I'm a pitcher or in this case, how pitchers are going to attack me, where my zone is, where um, I can do the most damage, pitches that I need to let go. So I'm curious to see how he finishes out triple A um, and to see a do the Giants move him and, and give him the call because their outfield isn't great and they've been trying to plug some guys in for some time mm -hmm. and going into next year, whether it's at the major league level or at triple a, how does he look once he gets another chance to kind of, Hey, I got an off season. I got another chance to kind of make these adjustments, look at some video, work with some coaches, figure out exactly the type of hitter I need to be to maximize my potential. So um, I missed out. I, I would, I was sort of interested, but not really interested Somebody else in my home league made a trade for him and he's been laughing all the way to the bank. He's like such a good investment, super simple trade. It, I got him for cheap in the off season because the other manager is looking to offload him. And now he's looking back and again, he's reminding you why he was number 11 overall prospect. Um, so Luis Matos is a guy that uh, to your point, not a lower level player, but definitely somebody because of his track record last year, I think fell off a lot of, watch list and a lot of uh the community's radar don't forget about Luis Matos the guy is the guy has talent and and he's here
He's him. He's here. <laughs> yeah, I, I like it. Luis Matos, again, somebody, if, if he fell off your radar, you got to make sure you bring him back on your radar, just what, exactly what Lamar was saying. Uh, he's producing, and he's somebody that looks like he can make a big impact. And like you said, the Giants need outfielders. And so I, I feel like it wouldn't be that aggressive to say, you know, right now with what he's doing, uh, he could be technically even in the next section on whose next slide, uh, just based on their needs. So uh, I love the call there. Next player on this list here, Juan Brito. I'm, I'm going to take a shot and say this is Johnny Brito's brother, even though I have no idea, or maybe I'm completely, no, maybe they're not. <laughs> he's giving, shaking his head no. So, they, uh, but he's in high A ball. Uh, he's got a three or a, yeah, 265 batting average, 379 OBP, 424 slug, four homers, and three stolen bases here. As I try to stop talking so I can get over that embarrassment of that call there, Vinny, why don't you tell us about Juan Brito? Yeah, it's kind of weird because usually I don't like miss out on prospects, but like I never heard of anything about Brito before like a week ago. I saw uh, one of the, uh, one of the Guardians prospect development Twitter pages retweet about him. And I was I was watching some footage of him and it really caught my eye. So I had to do a little deeper dive. But he is a switch hitting infielder that, you know, shocking. The Guardians have another very good switch hitting infielder. They just love developing good hitting infielders. But no, it he reminds me a lot of when uh, when uh, Brian Rocchio kind of broke out back in 2021, he was he had a slow start to the season. You know, anyone who plays in the Midwest League in general, like if they come out to a slow start, just for future references, don't really don't put a lot of stock into it. The weather out here until at least mid-May is absolutely awful. You know, cold rain. You know, the whole nine yards, like. Small sample size. Like everyone that's getting all worked up about uh, uh, Jackson Merrill, just let it play out. But now, as I'm, as what I was saying about Burrito, you can tell that the body is not done developing and maturing, and you, I could definitely see him getting into some at, at least 55 power. Like he's still lengthy and wiry, and I really think if he re- uh, finishes developing his body, he could potentially be similar to Brian Rocchio. I think he's right now more bat than power, but I think it'll eventually even itself out. He's probably, uh, he's probably stuck at either playing a second base or third base. I think they're eventually going to move him off at shortstop. I know he has been playing games at second base for, uh, for Lake County this year. So I think it's just a matter of time before he gets moved. But yeah, if we're looking at the stats, his K rate is down almost three whole points from last year. His walk rate is up, which is awesome to see his BABIP is showing that this the 265 average is probably not going to be sustained it's going to go up a little bit you know he's almost has a 300 BABIP the slug is looking very good too compared to other seasons like I think we are right on the cusp of him potentially having a breakout June slash July like the WRC plus is very good just the way he barrels up baseballs, I think he's a name to watch. He's a very gap-to-gap power guy. He's a little speedier than you know the the scouting grades would give him, but like all around, he's a Guardians infield prospect that I think needs to be on everyone's radar. All right, again, that is Juan Brito. 
Our last player for this section, Carson Williams of the Tampa Bay Rays, shortstop prospect in high A ball, just 19 years of age. He's got six home runs, seven steals, batting 278. K rate a little bit high at 29.6%, but like you like a lot of what you see in this young kid. Yeah, you pointed out the the flaw in his game. You know, he's got four above average to double plus tools, but his hit tools graded at 35 grade on fan graphs. But like you said, a, a high A player that's 19 years old in the Rays organization, he's a shortstop, big power for his age and position. He's a lock to stick at shortstop because he's plus defensively. He's got a big arm, great defender. So, you know, anytime I have a, a, a plus defender that I know is going to stick at shortstop with huge power, that alone is makes me intrigued. He also has above average speed too. So there's a lot to like here. It's, you know, it's become trendy to fade questionable hit tools, but with all those things combined, I still see him as a top hundred prospect. Despite that glaring weakness, his K rates lowered a little bit this year, but he's still young for his level. He's being pushed by an organization that has, has a tendency to not push players unless they see a lot in them. So, you know, all that being said, I could see him landing anywhere from a top 10 prospect down the road if the if the strikeout rate reduces more. I mean, if that got down to the low 20s somehow, I'm not necessarily saying it will, but if it did, all the other tools combined, people would just go ecstatic for him. But if it doesn't get fixed, he, he could end up being a guy who struggles to make it in the major leagues. I do think he'll be a major leaguer, but it's just it could end up being a guy where you're not going to be able to get him on the field constantly, or he'll just have a really low batting average and you'll have him in there for his defense and occasional home runs. But because of his age and his level and his organization and all these factors, I've, I've been aware of him for a while. I don't, I don't bring him up because, because of the strikeout rate, he was over 30% last year, but there's a lot to like here. You know, when I compare him, he's, he's productive. It's like one of those guys, it's almost like, I don't want to use this name, but it's almost like Ellie De La Cruz. It's a less, less potent version, but that type of player where he's still able to produce good stats, even with his high strikeout rate. So any sort of improvement there would be very important and, and it, it would not go unnoticed in the fantasy. Like I, I mentioned this earlier, James Anderson's new list just came out today. This is the number 66 prospect in dynasty with a 35 grade hit tool. So that shows you how many, how potent his tools are outside of that. And like you were saying, if, if that tool starts getting better, then obviously everybody's going to know about him. So it's like if you want to take a shot on him now, this might be the cheapest you can because if he starts figuring out how to get that K rate down, it will definitely be a major boost to his profile and to everybody else trying to get him. So good call there with Carson Williams. Let's get to our last section. Let's talk about who's next. Players that we are predicting will be called up to the big leagues. And obviously for redraft, if you are using this section, you might be able to put a fab bid on before they go crazy during fab bidding uh starting off with ben brown who was actually i believe it was either last week he was on this show or it was the week before it was one of those two um it's absolutely nasty pitcher for the chicago cubs 23 years of age uh 55 k's and 38.2 innings 233 era cubs do need pitching i know kyle hendricks just came back but their rotation is far from set here lamar and ben brown could be a big boost for them yeah i and i want to uh i like to I believe in in transparency in fantasy baseball media. So fully transparent, uh, Chase Hampton and Ben Brown, I do roster them. So I do have incentive in seeing like the best possible outcomes for them. So I just want that for your listeners. To know. <laughs> like, I do have skin in the game here, but in all honesty, 
Brown jumped on my radar um, while he was still with the Phillies last season. Uh, he comes to the Cubs in the David Robinson trade, and he was doing like really excellent things uh, with Philly at high A, but you can make the argument maybe a little bit older for the level competition. Maybe, you know, he was dominating some younger, less experienced hitters, but he comes over to the Cubs. They immediately promote him to, to double A um, after the trade. And so we look at 2022 numbers. He puts up 44 strikeouts and 31 innings pitch at double A with the Cubs, 32 point, uh, 32% K rate, nine and a half percent walk rate, 14.6 swing and strike rate. That seems pretty good. So then he comes back again, repeating a level 20 innings pitch this year, 39% K rate, 8%. Uh, walk rate 19.2% string uh, swing and strike rate so really good so what the Cubs do like you said they need pitching they move him up and so far he's uh, 18.2 innings in and you see the stats here so um one thing that I really like about Brown he's fastball slider curve and the fastball he's also a very tall young man he's 6'6 and he has been able to um come downhill repeatedly when it comes to finishing off his pitches so that uh release point that extension and i haven't uh, been able to see what the measurements are on that but just the eyeball test he is somebody that really is going to cause some uncomfortable at bats because that uh fastball especially is going to get up on you as well as the slider is going to get on you really fast um at a really steep angle and hitters so far have not really been able to line him up he did have recently his I want to say it was his second triple A start did get knocked around. So that was kind of his like welcome to triple A uh, sort of experience there. And I think that helped balloon uh, his numbers a little bit, but overall, even at triple A, he's been dealing, he had a 10 K um, 10 strikeout game at triple A his, his first or third start. And again, everything about Brown is, being able to be a little bit more arm talent over command, I think. But again, you look at his numbers, he's not a guy that walks people even with not having maybe excellent command. And he, the other thing that I like about pitchers that I, I try to look at is he doesn't give up a lot of home runs. So he keeps the ball um, in the ballpark. And to me, that's always a huge factor because you're going to give up some sort of home runs. Like obviously pitching at the major league level is hard. We always say that, but when you show a, a propensity to, be able to keep the ball in the ballpark, whether you're a ground ball pitcher or you just know how to get uh, swings and misses, that kind of sets me at ease a little bit that uh, when you do get to the majors, it's not going to be, uh, you know, a complete show as far as guys just teeing off on you. So um, I, I definitely see him with the Cubs before the end of the season. Uh, when that happens, I don't know whether it's going to be June or July. But again, if everything stays as it has been, he remains healthy even with the Cubs returning some guys, they're still in that transition of like, who's going to be on the next great Cubs team? You know, who are, who are, are our prospects that are going to be our core set, just like we had with Rizzo and Bryant and the rest of the gang um, going into their World Series run. They're trying to, you know, assemble that for the next push. I think that's why they, you know, part of the reason why they traded for Brown. And I, I, I definitely think if you're in a redraft, he's a guy, yet another pitcher, of course, that you need to be keeping an eye on, keeping close um, tabs on so that when there are the hints about him making that jump and come to the major leagues, you can put in your fab bid early and, and, and get your guy. 
Make sure to get that guy that is Ben Brown. Uh, will be up sooner rather than later for the Chicago Cubs. Quinn Preister of the Pittsburgh yeah. Pirates is Vinny's call for who's getting the next call up to the big leagues. A 412 ERA right now in AAA. Uh, he's got 44 Ks over those 43.2 innings. Walk rate is very reasonable, under three per nine. Uh, again, a- another situation where Pittsburgh could use the extra help in their rotation. Uh, I know Vince Velasquez is coming back, um, but we've seen guys be ineffective or guys go down for the Pittsburgh Pirates here. So, Vinny, tell us a little bit about Quinn Priester and why you think he'll be next. Yeah, Priester's a nice guy, a nice arm to keep an eye on right now. He started off the year very slow in AAA Indianapolis. Yeah, I really think it's mainly the part of um, – Mainly the reason behind that is, you know, it's really cold in Indiana. You know, same thing. Midwest weather really sucks. Uh, his last three starts have been very good. You know, he's had a sub three ERA, you know, double digit strikeouts. He's looking like he's putting everything together. But my my thing is with the Pirates, I think if they call him up, I don't necessarily think he gets into a starting rotation role. I think they might mm-hmm. bring him up to run him out of the bullpen. Like he's right on the cusp of, you know, finishing, you know, his minor league career and just starting in the majors. I think he would really benefit from coming out of the bullpen. He is a two pitch guy. The slider, uh, he has a plus fastball and a very good curveball. The slider has had a, an uptick in production and uh, swinging whiff rate this year. It looks nastier than I can recall watching him at the Arizona Folly last year. But no, we're talking about a right handed pitcher sits, you know, 95, 97 with the fastball hammer curve, absolutely awesome off speed, uh, setup, uh, finisher pitch. But yeah, like I said, you know, Pittsburgh, it wouldn't hurt to have another, you know, very good young arm come out of your bullpen or, you know, have them up just in case if someone does get hurt, you can switch them to be a spot starter from a bullpen arm. But yeah, we're looking at, uh, three borderline three plus pitches. You know, I don't think he really needs much longer in triple a, his last three starts are already showing that he's going to be, you know, come another month down in the threes with the ERA and his strikeouts will be up in the sixties. Like just, just give him a shot at the major, see what he does. Worst comes, you know, worst comes to worst, just send him right back down. Like I think right. he could really help Pittsburgh. Yeah, they definitely could use the help. Even again, like you said, if it was in the bullpen. So uh pricer will be someone to watch. Uh, this one's always near and dear to my heart. Royce Lewis, a uh, very, very, very talented player. That's just been, Real with injury bad luck for the Minnesota Twins. Uh, you would think right now with Carlos Correa's injury that they're being very mysterious about, and they also won't put him on the IL so I can move him to the IL on my fantasy teams. Uh, Royce Lewis could fit in really well, just slide right in. Him and Edward Julian could cover that middle infield with uh, Polanco and Correa out, and Royce Lewis wouldn't have to worry about the injury as much, not playing the outfield anymore. Uh, right now, 23 years of age, again, has produced at the big league level when given the chance, but even just right now in triple a and double a three home runs, nine RBIs, four steals, 389 ISO. I mean, Vinny or uh, Mike Royce Lewis is, is a dog and, um, hopefully he can get his shot at the big leagues and he can stay this time. Yeah. Just for those who might not be aware, he was the former number one overall pick, uh, He's obviously been hampered by injuries. You know, uh, he seems to always be a divisive prospect. Since I've been in the prospect game, I've just noticed that, that there's people that either love him or or think he's overrated. And last year, we saw both sides of it. 
you know, he tore through the upper levels with some very nice stats. I mean, we're talking about power, speed, you know, near 20% K rate, everything you want to see from a high upside player in the upper levels who was still young for the level. And then, and then, and then once that happened, we saw everything that the people who doubt him with the injury again, re-tearing his ACL for the second time. So I don't really question him, his talent. It's simply staying healthy. Mm-hmm. Now I look at fan graphs and I see that they list him with a below average hit tool. I think that's a bit absurd. I, I'd probably put him at a b- above average hit tool with 70 grade raw power and plus speed. So you can clearly see the fantasy appeal here. You know, one of the things I should mention is his rehab stint is scheduled to end on May 29th. So I'm not sure the twins haven't announced what they're going to do, but he's definitely in play. Like they have to either, I I forget how they have to handle it, but he's definitely in. That's the main reason I brought him up right now, because he's showing the power speed. He's in AAA. He has major league experience. He had a 12% K rate in his brief time in the major leagues last year. Uh, He's capable of playing. He's split his time between third base and shortstop this year in the minor leagues, which are two positions that we all covet for fantasy. So there's just a lot to like here, especially if you believe the hit tool is better than advertised, which I clearly do. Uh, I should mention uh, two weeks ago, Dylan White, who's a former guest of ours and a great fantasy player. He's playing in the league with me. He scooped up Royce Lewis for cheap uh, underneath. Like I've had him in my watch list the whole season and he got me. And Dylan's an amazing player. He's finished top 12 in the TGFBI three straight years. So I would highly recommend scooping up Royce Lewis and stashing him on your bench if you can. And I would, rec- I would, I personally am going to be targeting him when he comes available in my big fab leagues. So this is a guy I'm really high on. I think the one concern, I will throw this out there, the one concern and maybe the reason the Twins might not push him up immediately on May 29th is his strikeout rate right now. It's It's a little bit different, but this isn't the real player. He's showing, he's basically putting up power speed with a 30% strikeout rate, but that's not the type of player he is. He's not going to have that sort of strikeout rate once he settles in. So I think the twins are just looking for a little hot streak and then he's an everyday player for them. Can't wait for that to happen. He deserves to get the shot and have the shot to stay in the big leagues because he's definitely proved it in the past. Um, That's going to wrap us up though for this week. Lamar, thanks so much for hopping on the show and joining us, my friend. Please Again, plug all the work that you are doing to our audience so they can make sure and they can check you out. No, it's, it's again, pleasure is all mine. Uh, had a lot of fun. So uh, definitely happy to, to, to come back if you'll have me. Uh, as far as where you can find me uh, on Twitter at Inside Fastball, capital I, capital F. Um, and, and again, writing and podcasting uh, for a picture list. Uh, so you can find on the farm is the podcast on all your major podcast platforms that comes out every Thursday. Uh, we are going to be taking a break for the Memorial Day weekend, so not this upcoming Thursday, but uh, typically it is going to be uh, every Thursday that you can listen to us uh, and uh, the Prospect Watch List, which is weekly, and that comes out every Tuesday on Pitcher List. Make sure you check it out. I'm definitely now a fan of Lamar's uh, that I've gotten caught up with everything he's doing, and uh, make sure you guys check that out. Uh, for Lamar, for Mike, for Vinny, I'm David. We'll catch you guys next week on the call.